And welcome to another episode of the Run Local podcast. Of course, this is the podcast where we invite guests across the spectrum of society, including elite athletes, entrepreneurs, people within the running industry, local legends, and beyond. Josh, we, use, we utilize the sport of running to learn more about these individuals, their local community, and what they're doing to change the world. And Josh, it has never been more, that has never been more accurate than the guests we have today. How we're yep. going to find out how the running world is changing the real world. Um, yep, for sure, for sure. So let's stick with the tradition. Let's let these two individuals, these ladies, introduce themselves. Um, sure. Shannon, yep. Shannon Woods, who are Hi. you? What are I you? am Shannon Woods, <laughs> and I am um, here in Seattle, Washington. I was born and raised here in Seattle. Um, I'm the mother of three boys. Um, I am an artist and an athlete and an outdoor enthusiast, um, and I'm also a diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate. Oh, I love it. And then that, she is not alone, Josh. We, we're, we've got Double Trouble today, uh, also joined by Martha Garcia. Hello, thank you for having me. Um, so Martha Garcia, um, I'm currently the Director of Global Brand Creative and Communications for Hoka One One. Um, I've been in marketing for over 13 years. I love it. A big purpose of mine is to help people feel and be seen and heard. So I love being able to do that from a marketing and creative perspective. I'm also a mom of a very spunky and audacious six-year-old little girl uh, who is a mini me. So it's fun <laughs> being able to argue with a mini version of myself every single day. <laughs> you know how other people feel now. Like who, what? who comes in, who yeah. comes out, yeah, who comes out, out, out uh, on top in those arguments? I mean, there are more discussions. It's a, <laughs> usually a collaboration. Um, but you know, she's a six year old who I, if I ask her to pick up a toy, she will tell me, no, thank you, mommy. I need to work on this first. And I'm just like, excuse me. No, thank you. Like, okay. Yeah. But you know, at least she's nice about it. But uh, yeah, right. it's usually 50, 50 split on the wins. All right. Fair I enough. Like fair enough. All right. Um, you know, JT, when JT and I were prepping for this, and it's great to have both of you on, uh, we've put, we put together a few questions, but I think one of the things that, uh, always comes up and we can kind of dive right into some of these, some of these good questions, but to help ground some individuals, um, on the conversation that we're going to have over the course of the next, um, 45 minutes or so is, is I know that like kind of the, uh, the diversity, inclusion and equity work um, sometimes is, is, a, is a bit of a mystery uh, to folks and how that actually uh, comes about and, and, and actually exists within a, within a company. And so I was hoping that maybe uh, both of you would talk a little bit about um, uh, what, that, what that means in the role um, and how that, uh, how that relates to the work that you would do on a day-to-day -day basis. And Jeez, Shannon, right in, I know, I, I kind of went, I kind of went like full <laughs> throttle, right? And Shannon's like, you know what, we're just going to, you know, come into this, tell you a little bit about Seattle, we'll chat about that, yeah. running into Seattle, yeah. yeah. But I want to know, I want to know the details, I want to know, like Shannon, yeah. so tell me a bit about what is the, what is the work that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so it's a lot. Um, I am currently the Senior Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Brooks Running. Um, you know, I think part of your question was how does somebody get into that work? Um, and it's been 
quite a long journey for me. I actually spent over 20 years in my career as a fashion designer, so working in the outdoor industry and the athletic um, industry. And I have been um, at Brooks for over nine years now, um, and so I was on their apparel team, and so I've transitioned into this role around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, you know, for me, I it really starts with my upbringing. So I am mixed, I'm African-American and white, and I grew up with a father who, you know, served in the U.S. Army um, during World War II when the, our military was segregated. So he was in a segregated regiment. Um, you know, he marched with MLK. Um, my parents were married about five years after interracial marriage was legalized in all states. Um, and so I, you know, I had this, it was my normal really to, you know, half my family's black, half my family's white. So I had a lot of diversity my in my life and my parents, um, you know, my, my dad worked in education um, and my mom worked for the government. They had a lot of friends, all different kinds of friends. So, and uh, my father was very social. So we had a lot of parties growing up. And so I, was, I feel very lucky that um, I grew up around a lot of very different types of people. Um, I think that, you know, when I got into college, I realized, I, you know, I started taking uh, African American studies, Native American studies, multicultural studies, and it was really eye-opening for me personally to um, really understand the uh, education that I got coming through the public school system about how much I didn't learn and the perspective of what I learned, especially like U.S. history. So, you know, coming up in the public um, school education system, it was a very European biased education. And so I was, it was really, I, like I had my own experience and my, my family's experience, but to know that, like, wait a minute, people experience history in very different ways. Um, and so when my kids were little, I really sought out a different type of education for them. And, um, you know, as I studied those things in college, I ended up with a degree in fashion design, which I love. And that, you know, that um, that has taken me all over the world, working with lots of different people and lots of different cultures. Um, and when my kids were, so when my kids were young, I sought out and put them in schools that had a social justice focus that taught history from different perspectives. Um, and that's really how I kind of got into this work more professionally. Um, and in 2015, uh, I, you know, I was serving on a board of trustees for one of my son's schools, um, and they had gone through a reaccreditation process. And um, part of that reaccreditation was that they had to have a focus on DEI. And so I was asked to lead a committee um, to create a strategic plan around, you know, hiring diverse faculty and staff, um, creating diversity within student enrollment. Um, including diversity, equity, and inclusion within curriculum. And so, you know, that was all volunteer work, um, but that's, it was, it was really a lot of work. Um, and that's professionally how I started getting into this work. Um, and in 2016, you know, Brooks was really focused on, you know, really intentionally focused on um, uh, gender balance um, and creating gender diversity. Um, within the company. And so I started talking with leadership around other types of diversity. And so 
since 2016 at Brooks, I've been leading um, a, a kind of a grassroots employee resource group, um, you know, really pushing Brooks um, on diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives. And so that's that's kind of how I ended up where I am today, working on this. You know, it's um, I'm very passionate about fashion and outdoors, um, but I'm also really passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, and it's also been an experience for me to you know, try to go through my career as a fashion designer and navigating that in the corporate world where it isn't very diverse. Um, that was kind of a long story, <laughs> sorry. But that's um, how you get there. If it, that's yeah. how you get there, that's yeah. how you get there. It's like yeah. this, this winding road of experience from when we're little littles that build on top of it. And it seems, yeah. Uh, Josh, so, it, yeah, so cool. Yeah, and I'm uh, day to day. There's a lot. So um, there's a lot of work around strategic planning, um, setting goals. Um, really, we started with looking at like where do we stand now? You know, like what is what does our business look like? How did we get here? And where do we want to go? So um, there's a lot of strategy and planning, um, and then really diving in with different teams on the smaller details on how we want to get to where we go. Mm, yeah, yeah, and, and it sounds like, um, you know, what I'm hearing from a lot of what you're you're talking about is it, it starts with the representation piece, and then it's and then it kind of builds it builds from there. Um, it, I think we're going to dive in a little bit more on on that as well. But Martha, I'm curious from from your perspective too, um, as JT had mentioned. That there are some things that we all carry with us when you know when, when we're little that just kind of shape the direction that we want to go professionally down the road. Um, did you have some of those same experiences uh, as a as a youngster? Things that were influential in, in where you wanted to be professionally? Yeah, very similar to Shannon. I mean, um, oftentimes now I think about I in order for me to do the work that I do, I need to bring my full self to the table, and that also means acknowledging and representing all of the identities that I hold. So I am a woman, I'm a woman of color. I'm also an immigrant. I didn't become a US citizen until 2011. The first election that I voted in was Obama's second term. It was in my you know mid to late 20s at that point. So um, I think in order for me to do the work that I do, I need to carry all of those labels, right? I need to be able to be comfortable to be my authentic self because that really helps me to have different perspectives and think through different strategies or forms of communication, but also to be able to hold space for the people around me. That's really important because I want them to feel like they can bring their, their best self. So yeah, very similarly, I mean, I came to this country from uh, Mexico when I was a year old, my parents came here and, you know, one of the first places that I remember them working at was the bakery uh, for Trader Joe's. So that like banana bread that Trader Joe's puts out that holds such yeah. a special <laughs> place in my heart because that was wow. what my parents would bring home right so i i remember just all of the hard work and everything that they've put into creating this world that you know i'm so privileged to be able to have and laying this really strong foundation for me so i i bring all of that to the table and for many many years i did assimilate i did not i was i was scared to wear my hair naturally curly i would straighten it all the time uh you know all the chemicals, there's a lot of, you know, this is more information that you need to know, but there's a wow. lot of chemically straightened chemicals <laughs> that you could put in your hair to straighten it. I did every form of that growing up. 
Um, and yeah, I assimilated because I, I wanted to fit in. I was scared of like being myself. I was scared of showing up in a way because I would knew, I knew that I could potentially be labeled as, you know, a certain stereotype of being too passionate or being too aggressive, being too assertive or certain things. So now, um, you know, within the last five years, I've just really owned who I am and I do it unapologetically because times have changed. And how do you, how do you think that that, um, that authenticity in the way that you um, show up has affected uh, the, the work that you do? Oh, it affects everything. Um, it makes me think through more who has a seat at the table, whose voices are being heard when decisions are being made. Like that's one piece that I think is really important to when doing the, you know, the work of diversity, equity and inclusion and belonging, it's really important to make sure that people feel like they can show up as themselves and give their feedback, whatever that feedback may be, whatever um, they want to say. So it really, for me, with the work that I do, you know, overseeing creative and communications, it's really important for me to have a team that represents the diversity of the consumers we're trying to reach out to as well. You know, that's where you get the authenticity piece. Yeah. And Josh, uh, sidebar and, and note of, of uh, clarity is that we do work with Hoka on, a, on another side, on our sole focus side. And I work, I've worked with a lot of people that work with Martha. And there is a level of respect for Martha that I haven't heard from many other executives. They're like, well, we're going to have to check with Martha. Well, 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 you know what? Just pause there. And Martha's, and it's just like, they just, it's not that they are, it's not a fear. It's like, they, it's a respect. It's like a they they there's a love and a respect for it, and uh, I see it uh, with multiple multiple team members. So while she's saying uh, one side of it coming out as um, her showing up, it's showing up for other people as well, and they're seeing it. So side side note, and not to embarrass anybody, but <laughs> this woman is a powerhouse, Josh. Well, it's it I I it, and I have no doubt, JT, considering like all the all the work that you do and you across the industry, that you see a number of 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 different um, like d different individuals. Leadership styles. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. You're you're kind of like I'm digging around for this. So sorry. <laughs> Um, but it leads me to a, it leads me to a question um, that basically is kind of the, the, the title of the podcast is the the um, the running industry diversity coalition um, and so Shannon and Martha you you're, you're both involved with this and 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 I know that folks this might be just coming onto the radar for a lot of folks but we want to give it a, 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 the just hear a little bit about it how did it come to be what is it and and honestly like why should people be interested. Who yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I can kind of start with um, what I know of the origin story. I, I you know, I came on um, a couple months after um, RIDC got going, um, but um, Chris Lampenkrau from Gazelle Sports um, was very personally affected by um, the death of Ahmaud Arbery, and he started having conversations with, um, you know, his friends within the industry and um, about, you know, what can we do? Um, and just recognizing um, how white the industry is and how not aware of some of the barriers in running um, there were. And then, um, you know, Breonna Taylor was murdered and then 
we all saw George Floyd being murdered and then, you know, Chris stepped up and was like, we have to take action. And so he started networking, um, which then led to um, them contacting Jim Weber, the CEO of Brooks. Um, and he started off um, in the coalition. Uh, and, you know, that's during the time that I was transitioning into my role um, as senior manager of DEI at Brooks. And so, um, you know, Jim was gracious enough to kind of step aside and allow me to take that seat at the table with the coalition. Yeah, uh, similar to Shannon, I think, you know, one of the conversations that Chris had early on was with Joy Pointer, CEO of Fleet Feet. And I think through that, um, there was a lot of conversations around, you know, forming this coalition, who could be involved, being inclusive of retailers, runners, uh, brands as well. So through that conversation, they had asked Wendy Yang, who's the president of HOKA, could HOKA be involved? And then Wendy and I had a conversation about it and I jumped in at the opportunity. I mean, you know, earlier on, JT, you mentioned about the conversation being about changing the world, like people who are changing the world, like that is such a big passion of mine. I'm like, I definitely am one of those people that feel like I can change the world. So jumping at this opportunity, I was like, yeah, let's start with the industry. Um, well, I thought, what I thought was so interesting about it and why I, I wanted the two of you to come on and, and to give a brand's perspective is that rarely do you see um, a movement like this attach itself to multiple brands and multiple things that could can move forward. So I was like, something different's going on here, right? We're, we're cutting down a barrier of like, this isn't just about money. This isn't just about selling shoes or apparel or something like that. These brands are getting together because they want to solve a problem and they're going to put differences aside of who's number one at Fleet Feet on the shelves right now or, or whatever it is. And that, to me, got me excited and powerful. It's like, we have to have this conversation and find out what's going on here, Josh. You know, it's usually it's like, OK, there's a, um, a Black Girls Run, powerful organization. They will typically align themselves with one shoe brand and then just and just move forward. When, when I saw RIDC come together with like multiple brands and multiple um, people that can win, I was like, this is this is powerful. Yeah, yeah, and 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 JT honestly brought this to to my attention, which is something I hadn't heard about. Um, but uh, I'm I'm very curious, like as you bring these co the coalition together and more folks want to be involved, um, do you have like a like a, a kind of a north star that you're aligning behind and saying like, hey, this is this is exact this is what we're trying to do. Um, this is what we this is what success would look like and and maybe it's maybe it's not defined yet maybe it's just like still in the infancy of like forming everything together but I'm curious just from both of your perspectives like which which what direction are are we aligning everybody towards yeah, yeah. the go ahead the ultimate goal is really to increase diversity within representation with uh, with representation and we have like nine goals underneath that but it's also tackling systemic racism and the lack of acknowledgement that there is a barrier to entry with running and it's not as accessible to everyone it's not just as easy as lacing up and going out of your door like being able to have access to that really is a privilege so this this coalition is is forming to provide a number of different resources through education and panels and other sorts of communication to really meet people where they are to start to have these conversations but further that conversation into action if i were to simplify it i, I would say that we are you know, our goal is to dismantle systemic racism within the running industry. 
And we define the running industry as all organizations and businesses that make money off of people running. And when we look at, I mean, there's a huge disparity. When we look at, um, you know, runners in the U.S., 31% um, are BIPOC. And Ooh. that's a decent amount, right? When I when I look at running, I, you know, I grew up with, you know, Carl Lewis and Flojo and like the, you know, I see black people are runners, right? Like, so I, I see running as itself being diverse. Um, but then you compare that to the running industry. And, you know, there was a study that was done looking at the 15 top running brands um, leadership and less than 1% is BIPOC. So there's a huge disparity about, you know, how many BIPOC runners there are. And then when you look in the industry and who's working in the industry, it's majority white. Yeah. And so we want to change that. And, you know, I want to say that this is a badass group of people that have come together for this coalition. And it may be the most diverse group of people working in the industry right now. Um, so this is a group that is, you know, majority female, majority BIPOC on this team. And you don't see that in the industry at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Shannon, I, I appreciate you bringing, bringing that up. And Martha, you touched on a question that, that I had. So I've got two good follow-up questions. Um, but JT, I'm, I'm, I'm curious before I jump into those, uh, any, anything you wanted to, to ask before I dive into those? No, it's not so much a question as it is just feeling exposed by two white guys hosting a podcast about running. So oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also, I also want to add just that, you know, the brands coming together, um, you know, it is really, really cool. And, you know, Brooks and Hoka are competitors, um, but we're really coming together to make change for the greater good and for the running industry itself, right? To just make it that much more better. Um, I think that, you know, Brooks alone, we can look at ourselves and we can make change, but um, we can have influence on the industry. But the only way that the industry is gonna change is if we all work together. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think one of the things that 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 helps, and JT, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, um, but there's there's part of this is like there's an unconscious bias that defines the perception of accessibility um, that that's out there uh, for running. It's you know this idea where we just need a pair of shoes and head out the door, and you're good. And even those things, right, can be a massive barrier. Um, whether it's being able to have footwear that you can use out, outside, it's being in a safe environment where you can feel like you're able to, to go for a run. And that, that doesn't, that, that could be as a, as a woman just feeling safe in, to go outside and go for a run when it's dusk or, or the middle of the day. No, I, I don't feel that, but someone else might have a different experience in the very same, same neighborhood. Um, but what I'm hoping to, to hear maybe from Martha, since you touched on this one, one thing is, can you help outline a few of those barriers that might break down some of those unconscious biases that we, particularly as a, as a, as a white male, might have in terms of accessibility um, and as it relates to the, you know, to not just the participation in mass events, but just getting outside and going for a run? Yeah, well, you touched on a few of those, right? Like the the idea of being safe and feeling safe, like that's a huge barrier for some people. I can use myself as an example. I do not run when it, the sun's going down or if it's not bright outside. And oftentimes I prefer to run indoors on a treadmill 
I really like to just be alone. Like that's the type of runner that I am. I, I'm not big on the community or large events. I really like to have that and use it as like my meditation and, and be aware of the thoughts in my head. But that means that I need to go out alone. And there's a fear that comes with that. So I think that's that's one big piece of safety um, that oftentimes, you know, women um, experience is not having that privilege to, to have that. I could tell you my husband's a trail runner and he never even thinks about that. So he and when I brought that up to him, he was like, what? Like, what do you mean you you worry? Why would you worry about that? So I had to go through this whole conversation with him. I'm like, no, there's this genuine fear that a lot of folks feel of going out alone. So I think that's one piece. I think also, um, you know, not having access to different information. So there's a lot of people that don't know that there are certain, you know, specialty access points where you can go in and get fitted for footwear, or they could provide you free information on what type of footwear could best serve you. And I think these are different pieces that oftentimes we we don't think about. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of self-awareness work that has to happen in for each individual when you're kind of either in a brand or doing work of, of DEI, um, of just kind of recognizing your own privileges that, that you have uh, with this work. But I think those are a couple just examples. Yeah, that, those, are, those are great. I appreciate, you know, sharing those. And, and I know JT, as someone who puts on uh, big events, like one of the thoughts that, that, that uh, just in the economics of big events, I guess the question for you is like, there's a number of folks that you need to have to return every year um, to right. make an event feasible, but you also have to continue to, to ensure that you're being welcoming enough uh, for individuals to, to enter into it for the first time. Yep. Um, are, are there any things that you're thinking about, and I'm kind of throwing you on the spot as an event no. organizer, where, where how do we make this more just open, accessible, and welcoming uh, to people who might be experiencing it for the first time in a community that, that you know, quite honestly, might not look like them. Yeah, well, the, the opportunity is amazing, right? We're talking about 31% of the, um, I think Shannon said, of the running population. It could be, you, you add 20% to that, or, or you start to, 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 sh to increase that percentage of um, people of color running in our industry, and it changes numbers for everybody here, whether you're selling shoes, apparel, or whatever it's gonna be. But in terms of a strategy uh, for opening this up, we've been thinking a lot about it from the pandemic perspective, where it's not just uh, a strategy of diversity, it's a strategy of new people coming to running altogether that have, have not had their gyms to go to, have not had a studio fitness to go to, and all these things. And I think as a strategy, the same strategy we're applying to the pandemic can be applied to increasing diversity, which was, which is, um, just taking like the uh, taking the, the thinking out of it or the, the questions out of it and trying to make it as easy as possible to get into the sport. So almost like running 101 or, you know, I, I'm afraid to ask these questions because that industry doesn't look like it's for me or something like that. Somehow just opening the floodgates. So I think that's the conversations we're having inside of Soul Focus and Run Local, which is how do we make this as easy as possible and to eliminate the... Um, what, what is the word I'm looking for? It's like the, uh, it's not competitiveness. It's the like intensity. I just want to make it fun and accessible to everybody. And yeah, that, that yeah. goes through everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think maybe what you're hinting at too, is there, there's a, a lot of times there's a, there's a balance of like 
personal bests or time or some sort of objective measurement over what should be a subjective adventure for individuals. And, 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 you know, we've all done this where we've gone on a run or, and, and we think, oh, I just ran that really fast. So that must have X amount of value better than something that I ran slow. Yeah. You're kind of like, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's but the it's point? It's for me, or that could be for me. And yeah. I think it helps a lot by seeing people who look like you doing that sport. Yeah. So that's massive. Um, that goes back to the representation piece, right? And, yeah, you know, one sure. of the barriers that we look at is uh, social emotional and this idea of it's a little bit of like self esteem. Like, am I a runner? Like, maybe I'm not a runner. I am a slow runner. So I've, like, personally, I've struggled with this idea of like am i really a runner if i'm only running a 11 or 12 mile you know minute mile right um and especially working in the industry and for a running company where people are so competitive and there are some really fast runners that i work with every day um so you know that piece about um if you can see somebody like yourself that is a runner and maybe they're not a five minute mile you know so yeah. maybe they're not like stick that. thin yeah like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i just wanted to add that piece is so important what shannon just touched on especially working within the industry i mean i worked in fashion footwear for eight and a half years before i found myself in the outdoor and running industry and through that there were especially when i first discovered the hoka brand five years ago i was really intimidated by every single person that worked for the brand i was so scared to go on any runs with people it was really intimidating so i just kind of went through my own kind of personal and I use myself of like, there must be other consumers who feel this way, where they're mm -hmm. just so scared, where like you have all of these expectations, like you need to have this type of shoe, this type of apparel, this, all of these things, you need to check all of these things off and you need to be able to run and also talk with everyone and hold a conversation. Like even that, <laughs> that piece is real. Like that was things that I was going through in my head where I felt so intimidated. And like Shannon, there's a lot of amazing runners. They're all super competitive love working with them but personally for me like that's yeah. just not hard to the relate type of to runner yeah it's yeah. not the type of runner that i am i grew up playing soccer so yes i can you know in yeah. a soccer match play run seven to nine yeah. miles but that's not what i'm thinking about but yeah. I, I think that representation piece and showing the diversity in the running industry it's yes it's the five minute mile and it's the 11 and 12 and 15 and it's also people that run and walk at the same time and that's mm -hmm all fair they're all runners they're all athletes yeah yeah and, and even the folks um for uh for a lot of years um i don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the beta breakers race up in san francisco um but it's a it's a if you're if you're just listening you're unfamiliar with it, it it's a um i think it's a, you know eighty thousand people or something along those lines and i did the elite athlete um uh work uh with them for a um, like a number of years, which is recruit athletes that come in. And, and a lot of them were um, uh, Kenyan, Ethiopian, um, Eritrean would come in and, and participate in, in the race and go after the prize money. And um, one thing that was that, that really kind of stood out for me in, in an experience um, was uh, we also did like a kids event at one year. And then we had some of these athletes come in and, and, the kids uh, saw that the athletes, you know, they, they looked like them and they thought, 
oh my gosh, yeah, this is something that, that I can do. And these are the best in the world that are, right. that are here. And, and it was so startling to me to see that the disconnect that they didn't, they didn't, until they saw someone else succeed, um, they didn't think that that was something that was even like an option for them. And, and I think what maybe Shannon and Martha, you're both getting at is like, regardless of where you define success, seeing someone else take that step and, 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 and model that for you is a, is a helpful uh, piece along yeah. the way. Um, I think that's, I think that's where you're going with this. Yeah. And, and there's a question behind this rambling here. Um, and Shannon, this is, this is more to you based off of something that you had mentioned earlier about the, the coalition overall and the representation of all these fantastic folks uh, within the coalition. What I'm, what I'm um, curious about is, is, you know, as we, as you stand that up, um, what role uh, do basically do, do white men play in supporting the coalition without, you know, being kind of like that traditional uh, figurehead that they, that they might think they need to fall into. I mean, where, what can, what can we do as white men to support that? Um, knowing that, that we need to model that behavior for other white men as well. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, not super easy to answer, um, but I'll do my best. Um, you know, I think that everybody can start with looking within themselves, um, looking at, um, who do you talk to? Um, who's in your circle, right? So who are you following on social media? Um, you know, stretch yourself and, you know, reach out to other people, people that are different from you. Um, there's a really great exercise that you can do. Um, and this is, you know, done in, in different types of ways um, in diversity trainings, but, you know, you can make a list of like six to 10 people that you trust the most. And then by each of them, okay, how many, make a check mark next to each of them. How many of them are a different race than you? How many of them identify as LGBTQ? How many of them are a different gender than you? How many of them are a different religion than you? And that's a really good like exercise to kind of assess like what your bubble looks like. And then from there, okay, how do I, how do I reach out and get to know different types of people? So I think personally, that is that is a, um, a a good start. And then I would say, as being an ally, um, you know, when you witness racism, say something. You know, just you know, and that that's easier said than done. <laughs> I realize that. Um, and then also, when when you have a platform or an opportunity where you can uh, step aside and and give that space to somebody else that maybe typically wouldn't have the opportunity to have that space. That's a, I, I think that, I think that last point is, is one that, that, that folks sometimes forget about is like creating opportunity or removing yourself from that yeah. opportunity, which is you know, shutting up, you know? Yeah. But that's you know, something <laughs> JT and I continually have to work on. <laughs> Not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I think that's, I think that's, that's, Fantastic advice. Um, I have a follow up, and it's but it's more to Martha in that I see uh, Hoka not only changing internally, but affecting change externally as well. And I felt this because we've had conversations 
um, whether it's with, with Christian or Miranda and Alex um, from the, the, the SPOMA team, the sports marketing team of like, what is Soul Focus doing to increase diversity? And it's such like a great model of like expanding and like really being leaders of change by asking your vendors and your agencies and your whoever, I'm sure it's your photographers, everybody to be, to really look at what are their companies doing. If you want to work with Hoka, make some change as well. And I'm curious if that's, if that's a recent change or, or something we have never heard of anybody else really doing that. It's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it, it really came from feedback that we received you know of hey it's great you know make sure that the people behind the cameras are also representative of the stories that you're telling so mm -hmm. you know and i recognize the privilege that i hold within the c you know i took on the responsibility of creative direction back in july and when that feedback came in in july it was just like a no-brainer for me to say okay great feedback i hear you thank you for sharing this we need to change now like, right. because that was within my wheelhouse and my power of control where I know I could step in and say, okay, team, this is the feedback that we received going forward. We need to be brave and lean in and ask our vendors and our partners these questions because this is really important to us. So that's really where, where it stemmed from. And I think it just adds this another layer to the authenticity piece that we touched on earlier. Mm -hmm. So yes, important to have the representation internally on the, the teams that are working on, on all of the brands to reflect the diverse consumer base, but it's equally as important for your vendors and the people that you're reaching out to, to also represent that. And for you to ask them, Hey, what are, what are your DEI goals? What are your plans? You know, what are the, what have been, what have been the conversations that you've had internally for the last five months? What does that look like? So we've created this environment to empower the teams to, you know, lean in and ask vendors those questions as well, because we recognize the privilege that we hold as a brand to be able to affect change. And, you know, just the simple, it, it almost like lights, uh, it turns on a little yeah. light bulb in people's sure heads did. of like, yeah. oh, wow, I didn't think about that. Thank you. Right. Yeah. And it's not about calling anyone out. It's no. about like really calling people in to say, Hey, like, let's just think mm -hmm. about this. Calling people in is great. I like yeah. that one. My favorite JP. way of describing <laughs> calling out. <laughs> Martha, that's, I, I think it's such a really interesting, um, uh, way to, to look at it, like calling people in. And, and one of the things that, that I think recently that I've noticed and, and is this, is this, a little bit of like, I don't know if it's like backlash, but skepticism with consumers around this idea of performative reactions to uh, mm. kind of the, the environment um, and brands sort of like becoming. Are you talking about like virtue signaling? I mean, like, a, like people Maybe. doing it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I don't, or they're honestly, supposed to, they're supposed to do this. Yeah. Like, a, like yeah, like something, um, a, a good example of this, like all of a sudden we see, um, less white models in in advertising, and then all of a sudden it's it's you know people of color or uh, a gender balance or whatever the case is, and it, it particularly exists in social media because there's there's a lot it, it that fluctuates so quickly, right? Um, but I think that you know that the what I've heard in some areas is like oh well the brand is just doing that because that's what that's what the environment is is asking and they want to keep consumers. And so maybe my question to, to Shannon, Shannon and, and, and Martha is like, how do you balance the authenticity uh, of, of really trying to change the work with 
maybe that actual backlash or that or that perceived backlash from from consumers like, it probably comes down to authenticity how do you make it authentic how do you make it meaningful yeah i think you know i mean one thing that martha mentioned was in representation it's looking on both sides of the camera right and recognizing that we are more than runners and models like we are cinematographers we're photographers we're designers we're engineers we're leaders and so that kind of brings me back to um, you know as important as representation is like looking within your own business and if you, if you aren't hiring people to run your business then you're not I mean, you can put as many pictures up as you want, but you're not creating real systemic change if you're not willing to hire people to run your business. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there's a bit of transparency that you need to to uh, show uh, the consumer as well, saying like, look, we're not just putting these on the magazine cover, like this is what we're doing internally and being transparent with the, with the efforts, um, which goes both ways, both being authentic and it's also saying it's, you're modeling it like, see? It can be done. Just yeah, and I think also being proactive rather than reactive. <laughs> yeah. Martin, and not just think, you know, oh, sorry, sorry, not just can be done, Josh, that like struck something in it, in that it has to be done. Like it has to be done for you to now, for us to take that 30, 31% and turn it into 50%. For us to like take, uh, I'm sorry, white bread, boring ass running and turn it into something more fun with, um, that looks better, feels better, is more fun, and it's going to save the entire industry. This thing can't just be the exact same thing it's been for the last 50 years, which is personally just kind of like just going on doing the same thing over and over and over. Another half marathon, rock music or something like that. No offense to Brooks uh, sponsoring the, the rock and roll half marathon. Uh, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, Josh used to work there for a long time too. What I'm saying is that it's going to add and bring something so much more. Like this is not just for for a photo or for something it's it's because it has to happen for this thing to grow it has to at all levels inside out martha what are your what are your thoughts on the uh kind of like that transparency um uh performative action that that sort of thing yeah i think that consumers have every right to question brands and have every right to feel this way again if you go back and you think about each individual shared experience um, and, and specifically to those of the black, indigenous and people of color, they've grown up this way their entire life. They have had a lot of different shared experiences. And, you know, even, you know, to the black and African-American community like this country now, like, yes, it's great that we're now awakened to the systemic racism, but this country was created on their backs. So I think it's important to also recognize how deep and rooted all of this is for folks. And there are some people and consumers that and that feel like this change can't happen fast enough. And I think they have every right to feel that way. So I think it's important to acknowledge that and to continue holding yourself accountable. I feel that the accountability piece is really important because everyone did go out and say Black Lives Matter. Yes, that's great. Don't stop. You're like now just starting the work. So hold yourself accountable. Look within. Yes, set the targets and goals you need. But I think just equally as important is how are you going to sustain this momentum and, and make sure that you are retaining BIPOC employees, make sure that you're creating an environment where everyone feels like they can be themselves and bring their, you know, their authentic self to the table. Yeah, and 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 one uh, I think you touch on something that's really interesting here is we're at a point where 
um, because we don't have those traditional pillars of how we've defined the sport where, you know, we, we meet up for club runs or we go to races or whatever the case is, there's, there, there's a reset that's actually um, available to us right now. And we've seen more people uh, enter into um, enter into the sport or enter into just honestly like movement in general. Uh, I was talking to a, a guy at my local bike shop and he's like, I can't even keep things on the shelf. It, it's like months, months behind, like just to make sure that people have bikes because there's such a huge demand for that. Um, and I don't know if that's the same in, 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 in running stores uh, as, as much, but like folks are experiencing exercise like they haven't in the past. And so what are the things that we absolutely need to like maintain and hold on to versus what are some of those things that may have, may have been the, the normal, you know, eight, 10 months ago that was just like, that's cool. We'll leave it and we'll leave that in 2020. Yeah, no, I don't, I mean, <laughs> that's an <laughs> interesting yeah. question. Um, I think, it, you know, it's, you want to welcome people ultimately, right? Like, yes, people are now discovering this new way of movement and getting out. So you want to create an environment to welcome them. So I think it's us rethinking of what, what, yes, what do community events look like? But if there is a, a, a running meetup, like what does that look like? Who are the people that are being invited? And are you creating an environment where people who maybe just want to walk can feel supported? Or yes, the person that wants to go and just like, just put it all out there can go and do that. So I think it's really challenging ourselves to think of the spectrum of, of folks that are invited and are included. And, you know, it also starts with language too. I think language yeah. is a really big, really big piece. Like, how are you promoting things? What words are you using to welcome people? Who are you targeting, um, you know, and thinking outside of, you know, what Shannon was mentioning earlier of, of your bubble. It's really challenging yourself to think outside of that. I think it's a, it's a really opportune time right now, right, to kind of reassess and ask ourselves that question, um, you know, before we um, are able to go back out in the world and, and run things the way that we have. Like, uh, the system right now that is set up in the running industry, it, you know, is promotes whiteness. So how do, how do we relook at our system while we're kind of, you know, locked up in quarantine? and and reevaluate how we how we can make change and how what are those things that we can do um you know one of the things that we have um on the coalition's um agenda is um creating land acknowledgements at all events you know because we are on stolen land and um you know so that is um acknowledging um the beautiful land that we do run on in these events that's cool yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that at all, and and, and it, it makes me think like, like what are we what what do we celebrate in events, and what do we celebrate in running is is equally as important as how we're messaging it, um, and maybe Shannon, you're helping me realize that a, a bit. Um, it's just it's you know, first, second, third, that's what's celebrated, um, or it's yeah. like age group awards. I mean, how can we celebrate things? Mm -hmm. A, a differently that is that is that's a good idea i like that i like the idea of celebrating almost showing up like making that start line the celebration then as a, as like a group yeah 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 like well, we all know that, yeah, yeah that's the work is to get to the start line the, the race itself is like 
you know, it just <laughs> get out of bed. But also, yeah. and, and back to Martha's point, I like the idea of changing language of like from race to run, to walk, to, to calling it something else so people come out. Like your run club could be you know, your San Jose run and walk club. Just by adding that gives them someone an opportunity that there's gonna be someone else there for me or somewhere in between. I thought that was really cool. Um, we are, we're up against it. I, I don't wanna take up everyone's day, but I do wanna hear about how people can get involved, whether they're um, an event, director we have a lot of race directors that listen to this podcast because uh, we're in a very niche nerdy industry uh also runners um that uh listen to this podcast and then um, you know new people our, our our three friends that also listen to it moms and dads and stuff like that but uh, martha and shannon look what are different ways that they can join uh the running industry diversity coalition or learn more yeah, going to the website, so runningdiversity.com, following on Instagram, Running Diversity. Um, when you go to the website, there's an option for you to join as an individual or a partner. So I would highly encourage everyone to go and, and check all of that information out. And, you know, I think within there, we're really expecting people to sign up who have the same goals and the same vision of, of wanting to increase diversity, tackling systemic racism within the running industry. And there's tons of opportunities for, for folks to get involved. And we're currently planning out the future of what do subcommittees look like? How do we continue amplifying this work? And we're having a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with brands and different partners as well to continue this initiative and ongoing efforts. And Shannon, anything you want to leave us with that we haven't mentioned or asked? We might I think have lost her. I th oh, I think I think Shannon uh, might have uh, dropped well, off. She dropped no, off she went ball. for a run. She has. She was going for a run. She's preparing <laughs> for the Kauai Marathon, um, and and she's got just a few months to do that, so she's ready to go. But yeah. um, Martha and Shannon, if there's anything beyond this that we can ever do, please let us know uh, from a local or a podcast other guests we should have on. We are here to listen and to shut up for once as, as two guys that look like too many other people in this industry. Yeah. No, I mean, I appreciate you both like reaching out and giving us this platform to do this. You know, I think that's that's where it starts. You both are in this amazing privileged um, position to be able to bring in more people and to amplify different voices and perspectives. So I appreciate you both for inviting myself and for Shannon. Um, and I mean, I really love that I get to do this work with other brands, you know, like I got that's to cool. meet Shannon for the first like that's one of <laughs> I think one of the pieces that I've had the most fun with is just meeting folks from different brands because yes we're competitors in all these other spaces but we're all trying to do the same thing you know with this work and so that's been really fun yeah jt we should definitely do a a, a check-in um in in a few months to see how everything see how everything's going and and you know check in with ourselves it. too to see what we've done differently as well yeah um, i gotta so get 10 people and start putting check mark check mark next to them and uh, doing my my die yeah, work yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Martha, thanks a ton. This has been this has been fantastic. Um, so really appreciate really appreciate the time. Um, thanks for, yeah, for carving thank it out during the day. No, it's been uh, fun. Thank you both. All right. Uh, and so that wraps up another episode of the Run Local podcast. Uh, of course, you can find all of these at runlocalevents.com in our blog section. But it's easier to get it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Josh, thanks for joining I get, us for I another get it on, episode. I get it Where on SoundCloud. Get it? SoundCloud. You get it on the SoundCloud. I guarantee I think, you. Is that, how you, is, is that, yeah, is that still a thing? I don't even know anymore. Uh, it is. Did That's the, where you get your like brand new house music. 
press. The TikTok. That's I think that's TikTok. where, are we on the TikTok yet? Not on the TikTok. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I appreciate Martha. Thank you, Shannon Woods. Uh, until next week, see you all later. Run local and be safe. Thank you very much. Thank you.